Because it's broken? Yeah. Oddly sexual. <laughs> yeah, they just repeat that on is. loop until we get it. <laughs> Welcome to the ACC Basketball Degenerates Podcast. We're taping after Big Monday in Blacksburg between Virginia and Virginia Tech. We'll give you some thoughts on that game. We have some marquee matchups spread out over the course of multiple days. We had Monday, and we have tomorrow with Florida State and Clemson, and then we have Wednesday, everybody's favorite, down Tobacco Road, Duke and North Carolina. Isn't that better for all our brains, social lives, and wellness in general? Focusing on about one game a night. I love it. I love how it works out. It all plays out. I love that the uh, Tobacco Road game is going to be at 9 p.m. It's perfect for people with household chores that need to get done. You get everything done. You settle down. Watch the late game. It's yeah, exciting. No well, yeah, my name's beautiful. My name is Luke Neer, and I'm joined by my two colleagues. Please introduce yourselves, gentlemen. Uh, to Luke's left, Mr. Guthrie Alexander. Yeah, I love that we've moved up now to introducing ourselves. I actually kind of don't like it because I... I Always, you really feel like enjoyed. your household name. You I, feel like people recognize your voice. Well, I enjoyed you introducing me. My name's Taylor Pilkington. Yeah, and Vegas Mike is unaccounted for. He's on vacation tonight. I don't know if I believe that. Where do you guys think he is? In a bunker somewhere, crunching numbers. Yeah, I mean, he's probably at like a riverboat casino in Biloxi. No, he's not there yet. I don't know. He Tunica? hasn't reached that point. See, I think Mike is the opposite of myself during this time of year and projecting games i'm pretty good non-conference and then i slowly go downhill and i've turned into a pumpkin i'm the cinderella man not in the underdog you know fashion it's i I turn into a pumpkin at midnight it's already struck midnight for me i can't pick a game to save my life but i'm willing to put myself out there for the public to go against me and to continue to do tremendously well I, what a guy. I'm what with you. Player. I had Kansas State last week. I had Tennessee last week. I had Louisville last week doing favors, and I'm not going to stop. Never stop. Never stop. I'm going to keep at it for the sake of our listeners, because they deserve it. This season, I've been agreeing with you more than I ever have before. Well, that's not good, because this has not been a good Luke season. I don't think there's ever been a good Luke season. I think the reason I'm here is just entertainment. <laughs> I think we all, a couple seasons ago, had really good picks. This year, I'm with you. I'm grasping at straws. I'm an emotional wreck. I feel like I make most of my picks based on what the three of you pick, and then I just kind of like, I don't know, reach out and grab something. and Guthrie's You know, just got to be in the lead right now, I believe. So why don't we just dive into a recap of, of picks? Absolutely. Hit us. Uh, so actually, Mike is doing the best. He's got 38 correct. Well, Surprise. We 68 games. See, Mike is tough, though, because you never know when he's going to strike gold or when he's going to go, Air Force money line, do it. It's With true. everything you have. And these are also the podcast picks. What okay. Not, this is not counting like Twitter, Twitter picks, picks, not which sometimes are completely conflicting. So Take may- that with a grain of so salt. So maybe that's why we should really lock into Clemson, Florida State. However, I'm going to have a theme for myself, not the rest of you. You're welcome to join into this little exercise, but I'm going to try to answer a lot of questions and pose questions in four word sentences. Okay. So I'm going to start off like this as we're going to recap right now. Correct? Hit me. Here comes Florida State. Okay, I'm with you. Was that, a, was that a question? No, it's a statement. It's a four-word statement. I've got a lot more in the bank, don't you worry. Okay, yeah. I hope so. I mean, I think... Yeah. If we talk They're about... crushing teams. Yeah, and at the beginning of the season, we talked about Florida State like they might be the third or fourth best team in the ACC. And maybe they still are. No, uh, I think they're going to get a double buy now. I mean, I was off the scent, and I was really against them early in January, and that turned out actually very well for me from a pick standpoint. But now I'm back in on Leonard Bunny Colvin, as you like to refer to him. I love him. Yeah, I mean, uh, this team is just playing tremendously. I think a lot of it's 
due to Kamaji's starting to produce. He's not missing 10 dunks a game anymore and mm. getting on the board some. Kofor's integrating himself into the offense and not playing so much hero ball. I like that a lot about this Florida State team. I'm in. And the Clemson game might be the ultimate Vegas Mike Venetian trap of all time, but I don't feel like I'm that. I, I can't go against Florida State. So we right should now. say Florida State away? is getting one point at Clemson. Yeah, maybe, right? Which or, seems no, too good to I be think true. They're probably going to be favorites. They should be favorites. On the other Clemson's side, Clemson's lost two of three. Clemson, I think they're one of these teams that, despite having a lot of losses, I mean, they're, they're 15 and 10 overall. Their analytics in Ken Palm, which don't take into account, you know, wins and losses, just the numbers. You know, on a minute basis, efficiency basis, they're still 30th in the nation in Ken Palm. And for a 15 and 10 team, that's pretty crazy. And they're also not taking into account that Marquise, Marquise, I keep doing that, yeah. Reed has fallen asleep this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I think both these teams underperformed for lo- long stretches of what we expected out of them. I still kind of like Florida State here. I kind of think Florida State is like a less talented version of Duke in the way that they play. I think I said earlier in the season that. The defense that Florida State, you know, tries to be really aggressive, deny the ball, get turnovers. That's kind of what Duke mm-hmm. is doing and adding to, you know, their talent on offense to make themselves so powerful. And I think Florida State is kind of like that, but they just don't have a, you know, they don't have a true natural ball handler who's taken over those duties completely. Uh, they're built from a lot of wings. I know they've got David Nichols, but Nichols has had some turnover struggles. So it's kind of not what you were hoping from him. But I, sure. I, even even if this line is too good to be true, I just I can't avoid taking Florida State. Nor can I. That means that everyone else should go with Vegas Mike on this. Now, you know what else is on TV these days? Pop culture. True Detective. So I want to ask you two True Detectives. What happened with the murder in Winston-Salem over Saturday? The murder in Winston-Salem? Yeah, the murder in Winston-Salem. I'm referring to it as that. I, I believe North Carolina had a 20-point lead like yeah. at the under-16. I was it about to be like, like that. Uh, I haven't watched True Detective. I'm waiting to binge it all. Oh, okay. Well, you that's know. my status. Nancy Drew, would you like to comment on w- what happened to the Wake Forest Demon Deacons? Because this might be rock bottom. Yeah. No, I mean, they're not good. And the game got to like 35 at one point is a deficit. I don't know what we expect. They almost them. won by 40. It's it, it, it's not looking good. Um, I think there's a reason why we did our dumpster dive on Wake earlier this season because that was kind of the peak like we called it i mean this is that was peak the one shining moment was post nc state right yeah exactly i think despite the recent loss to uva north carolina is playing some of its best basketball all season right now Mm -hmm. and wake is a team that is at a particular disadvantage because they try and play super fast Mm. uh they play you know third fastest pace on offense in the nation and against UNC, that's that's a recipe for disaster because UNC will really take advantage of less talented teams who try and push the pace. So I, I don't see it. You know, to me, it's that's a no brainer. And and North Carolina has been really hitting their stride. I really think that you know Kobe White's been been great, and the emergence of Garrison Brooks we've talked about a little bit, getting back to like a little more traditional two big system that Roy likes to run. Mm-hmm. Coming up against Duke, I mean Duke is. Of course, you know, they're the best team in college basketball, hands down, no question in my mind. I'm, yeah, thi- I'm thinking, agree. how is UNC going to attack that? You know, because Duke can play fast too. I actually like Kobe White here in the point guard matchup against Trey Jones. The question is going to be like, how much can Jones bother Kobe White on defense? Can he force him to turn the ball over? Can he speed him up? I think Kobe White has done a really good job pushing the ball, like, you know, getting to the top of the key as fast as possible like you won in Roy's offense. And I like him to win that matchup, honestly. Um, and I think if 
if UNC, they just have to hit some shots from outside, really spread out that defense. Don't let Duke kind of make the court smaller and force turnovers. Obviously, everything I'm saying is pretty optimistic. And, you know, going into Cameron, we forget that the home court advantage in the ACC anywhere will be massive. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I kind of like UNC to outperform. Right now, I think the line is projected with Duke as 11-point favorites, which to my mind is way too much. I think that's a lot. Did y'all take in any of Duke and NC State? Because I thought that wasn't really the most impressive week for the top four. Obviously, Tennessee got blitzed. Virginia sneaked by Notre Dame, which is never a good word or phrase to say. And... Gonzaga didn't have a good midweeker. And then Duke, you know, against NC State, it was hovering around 10 all game. And I wasn't particularly impressed besides from Williamson, who put in, what, 32? Yes, 32 points. Yeah. RJ Barrett had 23. He had triple-double. That's right. So I don't know if there's much else to recap from Saturday. I mean, at Florida State, we touched on them briefly. Virginia Tech, Pitt, we don't need to rehash that. Not. So let's go to Carolina Duke, should we? Or should we go Big Monday first? Let's 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 do Carolina Duke first, because I obviously already skipped right into it and started talking about it. Well, let's continue. What do you think the recipe for Carolina is to take down Duke here? Luke May needs to have a huge game. Okay. That's and not I'm, making me feel super confident. It might be out there for him. You think? It might be. So who do you think guards him? Oh, probably what? Are they going to put well, Zion? Uh, they might switch around. Are they going to put Zion? No, they can't put, put Bolden on him. They can't. You don't think so? They have to put him on Brooks if Brooks is playing with me, right? So you think mm-hmm. it'll be That's Zion? Point. Maybe. And I don't see Luke May having a good game with Zion. Guarding. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Luke does. Luke May does seem to struggle when he's guarded by like quicker, more athletic defenders. Uh, unless, I mean, maybe, maybe okay, Carolina for, goes yeah, small, that theory. but it, I don't know. I did like what you were saying earlier about Carolina having perhaps an advantage on the perimeter. I do like Kobe White in the matchup against Trey Jones. I, I like Carolina's ability to defend. I don't like their ability to defend screens, ball screens in particular. That's always been an Achilles Achilles heel of Carolina teams this uh, or Carolina matchups this this season. But I do like their ability to stop dribble penetration, and I think that can work well against Duke. And I think so. If you look at like the games that where Duke had the the toughest time, obviously that Gonzaga game, they had trouble defending ball screens. And then in, I think really the UVA game, the first UVA game um, where UVA scored a bunch of points. I think that what Carolina has to do is get Duke switching all over the court, one through five, which mm. Duke loves to do, and then use that to get like guys like May open or create some confusion where guys get open looks or got you get you know Kobe White going downhill, you get Little getting into the lane. I think that's like the recipe. And then you got to have guys have got to shoot well. I mean, that's a real simple, stupid thing to say, but... Who wins if this is a track meet? It's a real question. Yeah, I think that... I think UNC. I don't know if they win, but I think it benefits them. Mm. I sure? Pick, I've picked against UNC before saying, oh, I know they love to play fast, but now that they're playing a team that also loves to play fast, they've met their match and I've been wrong. So, Except with your t- Kentucky Wildcats, who actually fared pretty well in that situation. Yeah, true, true. I just think, uh, I think the faster it goes, I think UNC can hang with them in a pace, in a, in a track meet, in a, you know, a pace-dominated game. I don't think if Duke makes it like a iso-physical matchup that UNC can keep up. Do you believe in Cameron Johnson in this game, Guthrie? I do. He's been shooting very well. I think he's due for a, a huge game. I guess we'll, we'll see something like you know Barrett or Reddish on him, something like that. I could see him getting space coming off screens, 
off ball screens. One thing I wanted to bring up was if we if we're gonna watch the the front court, Duke actually has a difficult time defensive rebounding. And that could be something that Carolina could True. exploit. That's a that's a great if point. Carolina is shooting a lot of threes, which, you know, is not uncommon for Carolina offense this season. There could be a real opportunity to get a lot of offensive rebounds. They're twentieth in the nation in that category. So they've been steadily climbing in that category. <laughs> And that that could that has to be what keeps them in this game, right? Mm-hmm. Or unless they, do you think Carolina is capable of pulling back and playing gaps? It's the way to play Duke. Besides the one game against Virginia, it's the way to play them. And I really thought it was comical John Shire talking about how this team, you know, they can be three point reliant. And I I laughed literally when he, <laughs> we came out and said that. My question for Taylor: Is it about John worried, Shire? Are you worried about Carolina's turnovers? Yeah, think, obviously. How worried? One to five. Not one to ten, one to five. Uh, is five the the most worried? You can do decimals. Oh, great. I mean, three and a half. Okay. So not four. No. So you're not terribly concerned. I mean, there's the, look, obviously the way we're having this conversation, the way we talk about all these games with Duke is like, let's talk ourselves into this other team beating Duke. I mean, sure, a lot of these good teams Well, to win the game, they just it. need to not lose by 11. Right, that's true. According to the Mike Jaffe principle. I I mean, great teams cover. <laughs> that's what we're looking at uh, right here. But yeah, I guess I am concerned about that for sure, but I think that will be symptomatic of a lot of other problems. I don't see it as like the only thing that's going to you know ruin the game for them. There's going to be other issues. Is home court overrated in the Carolina-Duke rivalry? I don't think it matters nearly as much as it possibly could. Oh, um, it's, it's it, what a hot take trying to be like home court doesn't matter. No way. It's super important. It is important. In but this like, rivalry, though, I, I do think there's something to it. Like, look at all yeah. the Duke wins at the Smith Center and look at Carolina. I mean, I feel like their their best success has come in Cameron with, for example, like the Bryce Johnson final regular season game with that meek steam. They win in Cameron. Right. You know, Austin Rivers. Not last easily. That's yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the Zeller team who was up 20 to 2 against Duke or something like that? Something ludicrous of that nature in that game, the second Austin Rivers games. So it's, it is weird, but I think it's also just, you can't ignore it. It matters a lot. Well, Statman brings something up for us like over the last 10 years. Like, what, what's the count home and away? I feel like the away teams won more. I'm not I, saying that. I was just glancing through. Um, it, they, they've won more than you might think. Uh, Duke swept in 2015. Um, I think 2016. That was the Oak Four team, yeah. Yeah, in 2016, the away team won both times. Home team last year, right? Mm-hmm. But then, and then I think you have to go back to 2000, yeah, 2013, in which when an away team. Okay, won. yeah. So it's I mean it's not 50 50, but it, there, there are a lot of you know. In any case, it's it's traditionally a very competitive game, regardless of where the teams are in the season and how how they've fared. 16 was away teams winning both, right? Six, Yeah, 2016, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to channel my, I don't know who, like Charles Barkley on Inside the NBA or something and pick a word and go with it. I think this game is all going to be about momentum, the big mo. Mm. And uh, I hate myself for just saying that. But the reason is because I think you've seen Duke like feast on people when they start to get a little bit of a rhythm, like that Louisville game, you know, people get scared. That's the honest truth. Duke scores a couple points, and, I mean, people start to, like, crap the bed. Uh, And I think that, especially in Cameron, 
as much as this is like old man shakes fist at cloud take, I think that's definitely a factor. And if like the game's kind of close, kind of close, and then Duke starts going downhill and gets that like 15 point run, that's going to be killer. Do you think we should trust Duke more against top tier teams? I think we should. More? Yeah. In terms of covering the spread? Or, or yeah, or just playing a good brand of basketball. No. I mean, I think they. Why not? I don't Why know. not? I think they take some stuff off against you know lower tier teams yeah, that's for sure. The point. But I don't know if we trust them more. So uh, speaking about Duke and they're they're uh, anyway speaking about Duke. Speaking about Duke. Speak about it because you know no one ever talks about Duke. Tell about Duke. Yeah. What did Louisville do right in the first twenty five thirty minutes of? I guess it was more than that. They right. moved him around minutes. on offense. Thirty yeah. minutes plus. Their ball movement was spectacular. The first, and they didn't turn the minutes. ball over. Crucially, mm-hmm. didn't turn the ball over. They were unafraid. They did not hesitate. Pulled the trigger, and that's how they got out to the twenty-three point lead. We know how that, how that happens. We don't need to rehash that right. again. Clogged lanes made him shoot over them, and they didn't shoot sixty percent from three. So I guess the follow-up is: I mean, I, I I didn't watch the game until Duke started the run, basically. You so had, I your six cents kicked in, and yeah, you were like, I was need to like watch yeah. in a slumber. I, I had it on the second monitor. I, I feel I was, like you were asleep, and then all of a sudden, you were awoken. The sleeper yeah. awakes. And then yeah. he just like vaults up Frankenstein style, or, you know, what we do in the shadows, if you've ever seen that, you know, the open to that. And just immediately is drawn into the living room where the Duke comeback is, is already underway. Yeah. I mean, so what, what was happening was my. Auto chess game was going really badly. My Dota <laughs> auto chess game, pff, really horribly. Had the game, the the Duke Louisville game on my other monitor, and all of a sudden Duke pulls within fifteen. I was like, oh wow, it was well over twenty just a minute ago. And that's when you know I started paying attention. How how many monitors are you running normally? Just just two. Just two. Just okay. two. I keep it. I keep it simple. We. We'll come back to this conversation. <laughs> We're that also going to come back to, to our picks because I still need to stew over yeah. this one a little bit lo- while longer. Let's go to what we just witnessed moments ago, Virginia and Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. The Virginia sweep, the first time since 2015, I believe. Got the job done. Oh, it's and, been that long. Wow. Yeah. This, I mean, I think the story for Virginia Tech is two things. Justin Robinson is the best player on this team now. And Nikhil Alexander-Walker has taken a dive off the deep end. And I don't know if that's completely tied to not having Robinson around. I I think it's partially tied to it, but I don't think that's the complete explanation. Do you guys agree with me? Yeah, I I have no idea what it is. And you're talking to someone who, as recently as two weeks ago, put in our podcast outline a segment where I talked about how Alexander-Walker was a better pro prospect than any other ACC player, including Barrett and Zion, Mm. and was ready to defend that. On the podcast, and luckily you guys were like Taylor. Let's not do that segment. Did we have to seems like a loser. bring that up again because we just You're lost more credibility? <laughs> the issue with me is like, look at these threes he's taking against Virginia. They're hitting the backboard. I mean, he can't hit two free throws to save his life. I was talking about that with Guthrie during the entire game, and it's not just this game. I mean, what what did he have? Five points against not Georgia Tech. I mean, he's he's not been anywhere near to like a 15-point mark recently. Castle Coliseum's dark, man. It's hard to see. Messes with your vision. Okay, I mean, do you, do you want to go back over how he did against Syracuse not too long ago? Okay, okay, okay. No, really. It's This is a real thing, and he's played himself off of first-team consideration, and now he's battling for honorable mention. Yeah, I have no explanation. I, I don't know why. I don't have an analysis, like a X's and O's explanation. I don't have like a emotional explanation. 
sometimes it's just as simple as the shots ain't falling. I think I think it, that's all it is. You might have some Markel Fultz syndrome right now. <laughs> Maybe. Sometimes you you eat the bar, and sometimes the bar eats you. <laughs> yeah. That's what I've always said. Blackshear has been amazing the last mm-hmm. I don't know six games or so. But really honestly, good. I feel like this team has just been utterly devastated by the Justin Robinson injury. It's so amazing to me just how different they showed an infographic during the UVA game about how points per game is down like 13. They're shooting 5% worse field goal percentage in, in the game since Justin Robinson got injured. So that, that's like now six games. I think they're three and three in the last six. It's really unfortunate because I think the way that the season was going for the Hokies definitely had top four ACC written all over it. And I really like them to go to double by in the tournament. Probably a top top four seed in, in NCAA, at least. You know, it's interesting you talk about the double wide because prior to the Clemson loss, I was talking to a, a Virginia Tech beat, and he was telling me, because I asked him, I was like, what, what do you think the chances are for top four right now? He's like, there's no chance. Yeah. Like, with authority said, they have no chance at a double bye anymore. Yeah. And I'm like, really? And it's, that's proving to be a correct statement. Meanwhile, bubble talk was actually brought up on the ESPN broadcast today. I think that's going a little bit far. This is a tournament team. Easy. They already have 20 wins. I mean, I don't know what Billis and whoever else was on the play-by-play talk we're, we're talking about earlier today, because this is obviously a tournament team. I mean, it's a single-digit seed as well. They only have six losses. The rest of the country is really down. The Big Absolutely. 12's down. Absolutely. The bubble is uh, The Big Ten is soft. really coming back down to earth, and that's a, a storyline we might need to get hit on a little bit later on in the program. And Virginia Tech's home stretch, it's not easy, but they can get mm-hmm. to wins over Notre Dame and Miami, and I think they'll be fine with eight losses. So, counterpoint, I, I agree with everything that you just said. Um, the difference being between the ACC and a, a conference like the, well, with the exception of Penn State, the Big Ten. Who Virginia Tech lost to. Really. Who Virginia Tech lost to. Penn State's kind of coming on. That's true. Their numbers. Luke defending Penn State. Lot, what is yeah. going on? So, Have you seen their losses? They only lose by two points, yeah, four points. Their, their metrics are quite good. But my, and, and the Big 12, for instance, um, back to my point, those conferences are are much deeper top to bottom. So, you know, losing to a Penn State is not as big a deal as losing to a Notre Dame, losing to a Miami at home. So those games could Critical. could cost them. If they drop like three of the final four, including a game to Miami at home, that could be very costly. I don't think it'll push them off the bubble because the bubble, like like we were just talking about, the bubble is super weak this year. The problem is there are only two good wins are Washington and maybe Syracuse. Yeah. I, NC State. NC State away. I don't know. Ugliest man. game of all time. Purdue. That NC State team is about to lose some more games. Purdue has that aged per- very well. That Purdue win is, yeah, is going to no, do No, that's a lot great. Them, yeah, yeah. I, I forgot about that one. Um, anyway, that's enough on Virginia Tech. Let's talk about Virginia. Winning with these turnover woes. What I was fascinated about in the quick post-game immediate reaction after Virginia Tech was, you know, the Virginia contingent saying, oh, gosh, what an awful sloppy game. But after Notre Dame, it was just like, oh, yeah, I'll never complain about a win. I thought this was much more impressive than Saturday. I was like, Saturday was a slob fest. I was awful. And I don't understand why Saturday was, oh, just taking care of business, got the win, whatever. You're never going to complain. And you don't complain about a win against your rival on the road who always seems to split with you in recent memory. I mean, what am I missing here? I mean, I agree. The Just Notre from the Dame reaction. Was, was and the coverage. troubling. Very troubling. Well, 
one it was thing a, it was hideous honestly like I, I couldn't believe looking at the box score UVA only had eight turnovers it seemed like every other possession there was just a either a terrible shot or a missed assignment or a turnover one thing I have noticed about Virginia which I've been tracking is when Ty Jerome has a bad game he generally takes it personally and comes back and bounces back fairly well and I thought he had a good game today I know Kyle Guy was the top scorer but I thought Ty was very very solid today let's look at his final line he had 16 only two turnovers six assists that's a good game three rebounds and then some of those turnaround random bombs were just absurd like okay I'm gonna stop at a dime turn around and splash a three Luke, give me your take on something that we were certainly receiving a ton of texts, a ton of tweets, a lot, and I've seen a lot of post-game reaction about this already. Kihei Clark against Virginia Tech played the entire first half, a lot more minutes than we're used to him seeing seeing from him. You know, what's up with that? People were freaking yeah. out over it. Okay, well... Cost that first half cover? I think I might be one of the bannermen in this... Oh, you're a take. big you're a big Clark guy, so tell no, me. No, no, I'm not. Okay, he's, he's the, the anti-Clark the oh, anti anti-Clark? guy. I yeah. brought this up, I don't know how many weeks ago. I'm just a little concerned. And I'm not trying to hammer the kid because he's a freshman. And I just don't think that a freshman who is not a great shooter, and I know that everyone's pulling up, well, he's 38% prior to tonight from three. I mean, I think that's going to continue to sink a little bit and can't really score at the rim. Also, I think he went over in Notre Dame. Yeah, I don't know. And is starting to turn the ball over. He can heat the ball up, but his half-court defense is probably a little bit overrated. I mean, Kobe White kind of shot over him and outmuscled him, and you can have bigger guards score over him. Mm. So my question is, I know he's just a freshman, but does a freshman who's limited in those areas deserve to get these kind of minutes on this team who's arguably second or third in the country? That's just my question. And the reason he is getting those minutes is because... Lack of guard depth. Right. Now, do yeah. you think it? Do you think like they also want to get him ready in case they have to play a major minutes in the tournament, either the ACC or NCAA tournament down the road? I mean, maybe, but at the same time, if I'm looking at a crunch time lineup, I have to go with what we saw out of the floor tonight, which was DKT, I can't speak right now, key, the big three. Mm-hmm. So that five, yeah. or even... The Carolina crunch time, which was Huff in there, just spreading the perimeter, depending on the matchups. I mean, Huff was not a good player to play against Virginia Tech nor Notre Dame because they have one legit big, if that, and that one legit big likes to hang on the perimeter. Right. So it wasn't a great two-game span for Jay Huff to get minutes. So, I, I mean, I wouldn't question, like, oh, is he in the doghouse, which Virginia fans love to resort to. I wouldn't question <laughs> that over the last two games. It's just not, not a good personnel setup for him. So that's be, where I stand. Would it be fair to say you could see him playing like the same sort of minutes for the rest of the regular season and not playing as much once we get to postseason? Oh, he's going to keep getting those minutes throughout regular to, season and postseason. Okay. I mean, I really do think Tony likes the kid and he, he likes how he works. And yeah, I, I just I don't know. Virginia's next game is at Louisville on Saturday. Uh, they yeah, are, they're four point favorites. Are you worried going into Louisville? With a recent, I don't know, run of form, maybe, however you feel about the Virginia Tech game, certainly Notre Dame game was not very good. I'm more worried about Louisville than Virginia right now. Okay. So, I think there's some some issues. Feel free to expand. I think that Duke, you know, comeback might have been a moment. I don't know about completely turned the Louisville season on its head, but it certainly pushed them down from a team who has fairly sizable aspirations to a team who's looks like they might be out in round one or two. Well, they've only played one game after that against Clemson. 
And granted, I mean, you know, they eked it Did out. Did you watch that game? One point at home. Yeah, but... I, it was awful. As we've said about they Clemson... like seven and a half minutes without scoring. Clemson is a team that its calling card is defense. They're 13th in the nation still on defense in Ken Palm. If you want to make a defense of it, I don't... You know, that's a... They're a good defensive team. And to say that just because they're what? They're 15 and 10, um, and I don't know what I feel like ACC. you can find a ways to score against Clemson if you're finding ways to score against Duke. I mean, Clemson got lit up by South Carolina, for goodness sakes, and that was a game for about 35 minutes. I'm still suspect on the Clemson defense. Yeah, sure, they can guard hard at, at times, but I mean, you can find stuff on that team. I don't think one game after like that big emotional loss to Duke is enough to say that that we should be worried about Lowell right What, do you now. think they're going to turn around to be Virginia, though? That's another whole other question. Yeah, that's a tough one. I, in between, they've got Virginia at home, which, you know, I think they could do something there. In between that, they've got Syracuse away on Wednesday, which is actually, I mean, that's a, that's a tough game. I'm going to defer to you two on the Syracuse question because I am throwing my hands up in the air and saying I have no idea. Well, you know, I love that they lost to NC State because I'm always rooting for the Wolfpack. Um, so and you just, like them beating Boston College and yeah, covering in that game. Love they beat Boston College. Florida mm-hmm. State, we've already decided Florida State is back. They're, oh, yeah. They're hot again. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's they're so hard to read. I mean, a lot of it comes down to... Buddy Bayheim. Just yeah. say it. I know you've been yeah. waiting. <laughs> <laughs> when we get to our listener questions, we have a great you know question about coaches actually playing basketball that maybe... I think we should go ahead we'll and get do to the, it. the listener questions now. We'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But oh, you've got some more thoughts. Okay. Yeah, I've got I've got thoughts. Syracuse, I mean, the truth is, for a team that takes this many threes, which they take 42% of all their field goals they attempt are threes, which is pretty high. I mean, that's in the top 70, 80 in the nation. They don't shoot the three very well. In fact, they shoot it terribly. And like for a team where the offense is that reliant on threes, it's going to be streaky, and it's going to be even more streaky considering just most of these guys are like bad shooters. They, um, yeah, they also feel like they take a lot of long twos, so like yeah. twenty footer twos. They they are kind of like a an, an analyst's worst nightmare in offense. Yeah, which leads me to a quick segue. It's you know, like the it, worst it, synergy chart you've ever seen. It's time go. It's time for Luke and commentators. Okay. <laughs> And I'm going to have to give a huge shout out, round of applause to Mike Cousins, who apparently might be a listener of this fine podcast. And on the broadcast with Corey Alexander, and, and you know, I've interviewed Corey plenty of times, so, it, you know. You guys are friends. It's you been would, a while. You would sit next to each other in the cafeteria. You know, now that he turned big time and is on all the ESPN broadcasts, you know, I oh, don't really have much contact anymore. But watching Louisville. And Clemson. I don't know if it was Reed or if it was Shelton Mitchell who took a turnaround long jumper half a foot inside the three-point line. Just an abomination of a shot. Drills the shot and Corey turns to Cousins is like, oh, that's a wonderful shot. That's a good shot. You can't tell me that's not a good shot. And Cousins comes right back, standing strong. And he's like, well, he could have had his toe a little bit outside. Applause to Mike, our hero, and the feature of Luke Uncommon this week. <laughs> Stay strong, buddy. Oh, that's funny. See, here's the thing. When Corey Alexander was in the NFL, like in the... the NFL? He played in the NFL? Excuse me. I the didn't NBA. know that. Yeah, the NFL. When he was, uh, you know, maybe at the start of his career in the mid-90s, that was like the a, shot. a shot that was routinely taken. It it's was the Michael the shot. shot. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's a brick, it's a horrendous oh, shot. Oh, from an analytics perspective, it's terrible. Yeah, I mean, outcome shouldn't be a determinant of how good the shot selection is, right? Did you like Kyle Guy's bank in three that this evening? Oh, uh, went in. It's so only a bad it shot counts. if it misses. Mm. That's what I always say. Well, you're with Corey. 
Way to get in that camp. Okay, I, I sidetracked us. Where were you going, Taylor? Uh, Syracuse Louisville. I think this is. I think this is a tough game for Louisville. Um, I still like them to pull it out because I'm still, you know, on there. I'm still riding the Louisville train. I think with Syracuse, I mean, you've just got to see a little better shooting performance from Elijah Hughes. O'Shea Brissett has not like had that breakout year that we expected of him. Um, and I mean, aside from on defense, where of course they've always got the zone, um, but I, I just think they they run hot and cold. I don't even know how to read them right now. I'm picking Louisville solely because. I've talked myself into Louisville coming back, and the, and I don't the know Clemson thing is a blip. Yet, but you can. I'm just telling you right now. Go ahead I'm and giving give you a little preview. teaser here. Uh, so I also I also like Louisville in this matchup. Um, I I think they've seen they've seen different zones. Uh, the Syracuse zone, of course, is is unique. It's a unique, beautiful unicorn. But Louisville has an ability to hit shots. They have great shot takers on the perimeter. And I feel like they have players that can play in that high post. Um, Wara Sutton. Yeah, yeah, like yeah exactly. They have a lot of a lot of versatility there, and they also have ways of exploiting the zone's inability to defensive rebound effectively. They have great, great big bodies in Enoch and Williams, and I, I just like the way that that transit that translates in on the on the paper anyway. Um, that being said, the struggles recently after the Duke game, or towards the end of the Duke game and at the end of the Clemson game, are concerning. I, I, yeah, it's it's kind of perplexing. Um, you'd think someone with the experience of Cunningham can kind of provide a steady hand in those kind of environments, but. Uh, yeah, the, not. the O for against Duke and 11 assists, you know, not great. Okay, let's hit uh, the rest of the league in rapid-fire sequence. I'll start, and I'm going to go Little Vegas Mike here, just in honor of wherever he is right now. <laughs> you know, let me tell you something, guys. Georgia Tech is the team. It reminds me of the guy who strolls into the gym who reeks of cigarette smokes and booze. All right, you know... It's as if he's trying his best in there, but at the same time, you just smell this odor, and it's almost like you're taking one step forward and two steps back. And that's how I feel about Georgia Tech, and that's how I feel about our posture about this team the entire year. We believed in them way more than we should have. We did not catch onto the scent early in the season. We kept going back to the well, and we kept getting, uh, I don't know, slapped in the face. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think, I don't know if we got slapped in the face. We just... Is Georgia Tech the smoker at the gym? That's my question. Sure. Okay, yes. good. That's all, that's what I was looking for. <laughs> Do you see smokers at the gym anymore? You've never run across this occasion? It happens I, to me all the time. I just need to go to the gym more, I guess mm. is what we're saying. Or well, you, need, it, you need to be around more of the smoking community. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess if they're ever going to get it back, it's going to be against Pitt right now. They got a game coming up on Wednesday. Uh, home against the Panthers. Looking like the one-point favorite. Yeah, speaking of Pitt, they might be just the smoker who's in an alley with a bloody nose. Yeah, right they, now, just, right? they skipped the gym, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Pitt, <laughs> Pitt has lost nine straight. Uh, the longest streak currently in the ACC. Yeah. Um, Brown bag in hand. Yeah, so this is, this is where if, if the elite defense of Georgia Tech is going to get it done, 
it's got to be here. I mean, they, they basically only have to slow down Wilson Frame and Xavier Johnson, and I'll get it done. Guthrie, do you have thoughts on either Notre Dame or Boston College by any chance? Uh, I think... Um... I, I, I think I've said my piece on Notre Dame this season. Uh, it's been a very disappointing year. I think... Playing a little bit better, though. Playing a little bit better. Very competitive game against Virginia. Uh, I, nice I, road win against I BC love, not I too love Mike ago. Bray. Yeah, exactly. That's I mean, that's a that's a great win. But... Who else I, did they... They beat somebody else recently. Let me, let me check this out. Um, Georgia Tech, but I mean, come on. Yeah. Who wants to beat they, the smoke they, right at the gym? Their, their three wins are... BC and Georgia Tech. They BC lost, twice. They lost to Miami. I almost want to clump Miami in with BC and Notre Dame. I feel like that's a nice little trio right now in the league. Right? Yeah, probably like a touch above the the true cellar dwellers. But uh as far as Boston College goes, I'm not I'm not gonna say that it's been a disappointing year. Um it may maybe a, a bit a, a, I don't know. <laughs> I think they're still. I think it's a bit disappointing. Yeah, coming coming off of the year that they had last year, um, but really, it, it's, it, yeah, I I don't know. I there there have been emergences of like Popovich and Chapman has stepped into a a stronger role, but he can't shoot for some reason. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know why. They just he used to be able to. Yeah, they're unable to just sustain long runs on offense, and it's a shame because. They're much more competitive than they were before Jim Christian got there for the longest time anyway. So Yeah, bring back Al. I don't know. But the ceiling is is maybe second game in the ACC tournament. I'm out on Boston College completely. Really? And it's totally because I had way too high expectations. Yeah. I think I I think I did too. You can't be in on NC State and Boston College. It's just not possible humanly, physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. It's too much for me to give. And I am I'm a giver. But I all my love I have to give to NC State and none of it that means none of it can go to Boston College. So we 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 would be remiss in mentioning and not in failing to mention that Winston Tabs has been out. Yeah. Uh the injury is significant. He played a very significant role in Boston College. He's been out for I don't know, a few weeks at this point. Uh the the future of the BC program I I'm not really, you know, confident in talking about that at length. I don't really know much more about what's going to happen. You got Bowman and Popovich back for one more year. There I I feel like really? I strongly feel like Bowman's going back again. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, he's a junior. I, I think he's gone. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Why not? I, Why I, would you stick around for yeah. this nonsense? Like, he's having a very, if very good year. If it's not he, he's, like not he's gonna, gone as in he is projected to get drafted into the National at Basketball Association? At least a second round pick. At least, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not up to date on my draft board. Right? Yeah, I'm not either. Please Google honestly. it because I would love it, but that can't be true. No, I so, think it's but true. I, no offense to I mean, at a certain it's point. A bad, it's a bad draft. A certain, a certain point, a man's got to get paid. And oh, not I, would, and I not wouldn't in, begrudge him. Uh, I wouldn't begrudge him. Yeah, I wouldn't begrudge Nick Popovich for going and playing like in Croatia. Amazing beaches. Yeah, exactly. It's you know, it's it's the new Italy. We I don't know make... how you can get excited to come back to this BC team next year. I wouldn't be, unless you have off the court aspirations like everybody else in basketball does these days. I think we covered pretty much every team, right? I think we hit everyone. We didn't really talk about Miami. 
Ah, mention them. Get a little frisky. Oh, I love it. A little too late, mm-hmm. but whatever. Why well, just clump them into the Notre Dame category? I think they're on the same trajectory as Notre Dame. I do those teams play down the home stretch? Because I'd love to see that. They're they do not. Ah, shucks. Uh, Miami's next two games are against Georgia Tech and Wake. So you I could see like two wins. They'll be favored in both of those two games. Wins. That's right. And then Should they we get, pound Miami. Then they get Duke, then Pitt and Virginia Tech. Well, they just beat Clemson, and that's pretty impressive. Those are Clemson three, was rolling. Three very winnable games for Miami. Do you think they win a single game in the ACC tournament? That's the Miami. Question. Well, yeah. it depends on the matchup, right? But yeah, they could be in the play-in game. You never know. Well, it's true. It's true. I think it's time to transition into another segment. Gentlemen. By the way, Bowman is on uh, mock mock draft boards. Where? Second round. Where in the second round? Mid- middle second round. Okay. Taylor, you need to get out more. I so need to get on this. I really need to get on this. That's a no-brainer. Like, he's he's gone. In which case, you know, Jerry's Hamilton. Taylor, are you one of those folks who just detaches themselves from anything involving the three letters? This is not a four-word answer, but... The NBA, we right. just completely detached. Like you're a Game of Thrones purist. Whenever anybody mentions the league or a draft, you just like earmuffs immediately. I really don't engage with draft speculation this early mm. that much. Well, it's February 18th. I I like following. I'm the worst kind of fan, admittedly, for the NBA in that I don't. I spend all my time watching college basketball, so I don't really watch that many games. Like Mike comes over to my house and tries to throw on a Lake. He's a lifelong Lakers fan, so just. Know Are you that serious? Now. I'm completely serious. I know, have no idea. Know that about yeah. him. Uh, he Jaffe's tries to throw in like secrets. a Lakers game at like 1 a.m. Shouldn't he be like a Brooklyn Nets fan or a Sacramento Kings fan? He's a mid-major, you know. I, he's just mouthy. always, you know, he came of age. And he likes the Lakers? Yeah, he oh, does. this is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, you know, Shaq and Kobe. Uh, oh, really? And he, but anyways, he'll throw in a Lakers game and like it's the only NBA I'll watch for the next you know, a couple months, but I like reading about, you know, the trade deadlines and who's swapping picks for salary considerations, yeah, well, okay. which is the worst yeah, we kind can't of get into this. to have. Yeah. We got to go to our segment, which is we're going to answer a few mailbag questions. We didn't officially title it a mailbag, but we have enough loyal fans to give us some feedback. And then we're going to go into picks. And I also want to talk about the rest of the country, guys. That's a perfect segue, boys, because it's time now to bring in a special guest for this episode. His second time. On He's the podcast. Back. He, he he returns. And he is the podcast host for That's Gold and also involved with college hoops overtime betting. He's in the desert. Where else would you want to be? Greg Peterson. Let's welcome him in, boys. Glad to have you, Greg. Good evening. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you? My favorite part about this interview already is that you have a game on in the background. And I think you should turn up the volume because we don't want to deter you from your dojo. I think that's the best way to put it. <laughs> Hey, we've got some Big 12 action right now. Kansas State versus West Virginia and TCU versus Oklahoma State since we're recording this on a Monday evening. And also, if you have not followed Greg on Twitter, you should because he's paying attention to the Polytechnical Institutes and Community College if there's a line on some of those games. So it's very valuable. Very valuable Twitter follow, everybody. Yeah, Greg, the thing I love about your Twitter feed is that you constantly have people ask you, what's your strategy? How many games are you picking? And the strategy is just... All of them. You pick every single D1 NCAA game, and you analyze it. You throw out added bets, plus occasionally you throw out some stuff from other sports. If you're not the hardest working man in basketball podcasting, you are damn close, and I respect the hell out of it. So uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, I also really appreciate how every game you pick total points over-unders. Like, 
It's not too common that you see that nowadays, so I really appreciate that. I also appreciate your dating advice if I ever move out to Las Vegas, but that's a story for another it's time. It's a separate podcast. That's right. <laughs> Let us jump right into this. Uh, you know, on on Twitter and in some of your uh, podcasts, you've talked about evaluating matchups between elite offenses and elite defenses, and we focus on the ACC. So, you know, of course, we've got like the defense of Duke, I mean, excuse me, the defense of UVA and Syracuse versus like traditional powerhouses of UNC and Duke. Duke now has an offensive, a great defense this year. So, uh, you know, what is your approach here? We've kind of always gone with the rule of thumb, take an elite D over an, take an elite offense, excuse me, over an elite D in big games. What's, what's your take on that kind of like matchup? I do have to play it by ear because. We've seen that it's easier to slow a game down than speed one up because every time Virginia plays, the total's always going to be a little bit lower. We see that time and time again, no matter if they're playing Duke, no matter if they're playing North Carolina, NC State, list goes on and on. So I do take that approach, but you just have to look at the talent. You have to look at the way teams shoot free throws because those are always of importance. And how much a team fouls as well, I think a lot of this goes to coaching. You always want to be betting on good coaches. I you agree. love betting on a guy like Tony Bennett. You don't want to be coaching on some idiot like over here in UNLV and Marvin Menzies. They have absolutely no idea what they're doing. So it's one of those things where when you have a great offense versus a great defense, I really think the great equalizer, if both those teams are very good at their craft, is looking at which team is better coached, which team makes the fewer dumb mistakes, and which ones are just more consistent in general. That's great advice because I need it right now. I'm the man who took Rick Barnes at Rupp Arena. But go ahead, Taylor. You're next. Yeah, I was about to say, how do you feel about Danny Manning? But don't answer that. Uh, do you, you know, Danny talk- Manning needs a miracle to keep his job. <laughs> well, he's got an $18 million buyout. That's all he has going for him right now. A miracle, a miracle. or $18 million? Uh, you know, talking about UVA, they have been really good against the spread this year. Do you... Is that something that you care about, the record against the spread, those kind of stats? Is that noise, or does it hold some value when you're looking at lines? It holds a whole lot of water because it shows you what teams Vegas is really valuing and which ones they might be falling asleep on the wheel at because the most profitable team right now in college basketball, Sam Houston State at 18-5. and five. How much action do you think the books are taking on Sam Houston State? Probably not a lot, which means that they can get away with losing a little bit more on them. Meanwhile, some of these teams that have been very good this year, maybe not the best against the spread. One of the worst against the spread teams in the country, Texas Tech. They're yeah. probably taking a lot of action on Texas Tech because everyone's just like, oh, this is a great defense and everything like that. Problem is they don't cover because they play so much defense and not a whole lot of offense, so they can't cover those seven, eight-point spreads. I put a lot of stock into it because there are just some teams that they come close but no cigar, but you know what? They stay pretty darn close in some of these games because some of these teams are good against the spread. They're not very good straight up. I mean, heck, Quinnipiac out there in the Metro Atlantic. They're like 18-5 and five this year against the spread. They're right around 500 straight up. So it is something that you put the utmost importance in. And let's take a look at the ACC. One of the better bet on teams in the ACC, Georgia Tech. You never know it by looking at them straight up. Mm. We're also 0-3 in our Georgia Tech picks this year, so we're probably not a good... We're always on the wrong side of yeah, that. Yeah, but also, so thank you for that advice. We should definitely pound Siena tomorrow, right? That's the, that's the oh, play. I am I am actually going to be taking Siena minus 7-7.5 against St. Peter's. 
I take that total over 116 and a half. I know that Siena actually has the fewest possessions per game of any team in the country, fewer than Virginia. But man, <laughs> I, you got to think someone gets a 60 in this game. So if you're if you're looking at you know those those lesser known teams that you said, then uh, is it just a matter of kind of like sniffing out where the public action is and then betting against the public? I, I you know on your podcast, I know you said that you should just. If a line swings wildly, no matter what, no matter what the public is doing to a line, no matter what the sharps are doing to a line, you just say, trust your handicapping, stick to it. Um, but, you know, we it's it's hard to ignore that because of the value that it seems to create in your mind. Is there some truth to that idea, or is it just a matter of, you know, finding out where you are in specializing and then sticking to your guns? It, one of the biggest things is, is just getting good lines in general. Because you just don't want to be laying two or three additional points than you need to because that's just not a winning strategy no matter how you look at it. Because so many of these games, they do come down to the line. Now, getting Virginia minus 4.5 versus minus 5.5 tonight may not have necessarily bit you in the butt, but there were a lot of people. They had Virginia minus 6. That opener was minus 3.5. That right there, difference between a win and a push. So well, you, can blame you really them. have to try to get those better lines. And for two... When you do see some of these sways and everything like that, if you believe that your team is going to be able to pull out the win, don't be swayed just because the line is moving against you. Not all sharp mm. money is correct money, and sometimes the best plays are the square plays. I mean, I personally find myself on a very big combination of public plays and sharp plays. I would say I'm probably, I would say on the sharp side about 63-37 to get real technical because I'm between 60-40, 65-35. You typically want to be on the side of the house a little bit more just because you do know that in the end, one way or another, the book is probably going to be winning some money. But at the same time, it's not like the book wins every single matchup. It's not like the book has the line between Seattle versus St. Peter's narrowed in to the very, very ends of a degree because the book has to put out a line on every one of these games. You think that they're confident on all 353 no. of these teams and how every one of these games is going to be played out? The books are very good. They're not that good. That's where you do your research. You look for some of those little things that might be able to give you an edge. Like, I mean, even something as small as a guy having a homecoming. If a guy is originally from, like, Texas, he's playing for, like, an Ohio school, and he's playing back in the state of Texas, you got to think he's going to want to show out for those fans. Let me ask you a question for people out there who might have the plague, and I am lumping myself into this category. I like going with and picking teams who I trust, but generally those teams are favorites. And if you're getting too favorite-heavy, that's often a problem. What's the antidote to that and taking underdogs who you trust? Because that's sometimes a fine line. It certainly is. And don't think that just taking favorites in general is bad just because it all does depend on matchups. What I think is the biggest thing is is that taking favorites, it's big to look at free throw shooting because we mm. see it with so many teams. Michigan is a team that's barely 500 against the spread despite the fact that I believe that they have two losses so far this year. The reason is they're right around 300 in regards to free throw shooting percentage. Hofstra out there towards your neck of the woods in the Colonial, one of the best covered teams in the country. They're one of the top teams in the country in regards to free throw shooting. It's why they're able to cover some of these big lines. When you're taking underdogs, you want to take a look at something like that. You want to try to take a look at maybe where they have an edge. Do they shoot very good at the three-point line? Because right now, the nation's top three-point shooting team 
the Lehigh Mountain Hawks. How many times are you sitting there thinking, oh, yeah, Lehigh, they should be like a 15-point favor or something like that? Of course not. I actually saw them as an underdog a couple days ago in a game. Actually, they were a one-point favorite against Boston. It was my play of the day on the Vegas Stats and Information Network. So it's one of those things where you just have to try to take a look at some of these metrics and you have to try to determine, hmm, should this team be a favorite? Should this team be an underdog? And just do it by a game-by-game basis. So speaking about underdogs, when conference play was starting, you said you like to take points uh, with underdogs in power conferences and lay points in favorites. I absolutely do. So does, does that still hold true in general? It certainly does still hold true, true in general, obviously. You're willing to lay a couple more points with Duke than you are – Stay with some team like NC State because we've really seen NC State hit the skids recently. It is one of those things where <sighs> I do still go game to game, but in general, if you notice a lot of my plays, I'm typically taking the points more often than I'm laying them just because typically when you take the points, it just seems like good things happen because sometimes you're going to get that garbage bucket with a team down by eight, spread of seven. They wind up closing the game, losing by six. It just feels like when you take the points, you're able to hang in there a little bit more because these teams know each other a little bit more. And another thing that I also am big on along with taking the points is taking these games under because it feels like these games get a little bit slower. They get a little bit sloppier because these teams, they do know each other. They're going to try to play against their strengths. And that's a big reason why you do see closer games out there in conference play. So talking about conference play, we're deep in it, almost done here. Who are you loving in the ACC right now? Give us give us some names of your favorite teams to bet with right now. Duke has actually been very profitable so far this year. Granted, they obviously came close, but no cigar against NC State. It was just too many points to lay there. I wanted to take an NC State in that game, but Duke all now for the year. Very good bet on team. I had Virginia tonight against Virginia Tech. They were able to cover that one. That's a team I've been looking to. I've been betting a lot of Georgia Tech because they've actually been surprisingly good against the spread. And then UNC has been a team that's covered a lot as well. I've been fading a lot of Miami, wound up taking the points with Wake against Notre Dame, who all of a sudden is starting to cover a couple games. I give Notre Dame credit for being able to come off the map, but they've been a little Mm -hmm. bit of a fade team. Been fading NC State a lot as well. Yeah, Their offense, you just don't know what you're going to get from game to game from them. Oh, it's so painful me to hear. Let me ask you something. What about this phenomenon of teams turning on a dime, and especially in the ACC, let's take a look at some teams who have turned on a dime. Florida State completely rewritten their season after a horrid January. They look like they're, I mean, world beaters right now. Notre Dame, I think, has made a turnaround, and even Miami as well. Clemson, I'll lump into that category. I know they lost to Louisville. They did cover in that game. Those are the teams who I think have made a little bit of a turn. Are you tracking any of that as you're paying attention to some of these lines and games? Absolutely. Along with offensive and defensive efficiency numbers for the year, I do take a look at how a team has done in their last three games. I take a look at recent results, and you always have to note injuries as well because one injury can cause a team to to completely go off the rails. Obviously, this is a Big Ten example, but just take a look at Nebraska ever since Isaac Copeland went out of the lineup. They've covered one of their last eight games as a result. And every one of those games, they've scored 65 points or fewer, and they're shooting 25% from three as a whole, less than 40% from the floor. That injury just completely torpedoed their season, and it's why I'm betting Penn State against them in this contest. Oh, I love Penn I mean, State. It's one of those things where 
you just have to take a look at recent form. You have to try to play it all together. And then you also try to tr- take a look at revenge spot as, as well because we saw it in that Louisville versus North Carolina rivalry. Louisville comes into the Dean Dome. They win by 21 points. Next game, North Carolina. They go into the KFC Yum Center. They get their revenge. Well, let's let's pick a couple of these ACC games coming up this week. We'll just go rapid fire. I'm not going to go with every single game because we don't have all your time. But uh, let's start tomorrow. Florida State at Clemson. Looks like Clemson, your one-point favorites. I'm going Florida State money line in this matchup. I like the way that this has turned around. Also, I have to take a look at the under because Clemson has been playing a bunch of rough. The last team that scored 70 points on them. But with Florida State, they've got guys like Terrence Mann. Prince Morris is doing a good job of being able to run the point, generate a couple steals. And for Clemson, they're just way too reliant on their starting five. Clyde Trapp is able to come off the bench and he's able to hit a couple shots. But past that, you're really relying on Marquise Reed, who's averaging been bad. points. He's doing a good job. But, I mean, this is a team that, all in all, you really can't rely on their three-point shooting. So, wanted to take it Florida State money line. All right, the big one. UNC at Duke, Tobacco Road. Duke, 11-point favorites on Wednesday? Oh, man, if you're giving me 11 points with North Carolina, I'm going to take that all day. Me too. I don't think North Carolina is going to be able to win this game, but, man. And one other thing we've noticed, this goal is probably going to be in the 160s. Duke won the top five teams in the country in regards to unders for the year. Oh, good note. I love that. Yeah. That's a good note. UNC in the under. Same night, Louisville at Syracuse. Louisville, two-point favorites. This is going to be a little bit of a tough one, but I do think that Louisville – finally closes out a game. I mean, they've been worse than your drunk buddy at the bar trying to close in recent games. We all know what happened in Clemson. We all know that they blew the money line against Duke. Florida State, that was a little bit of a tough one for me because I had them on the money line in that one. But I do feel like Louisville's a more talented team. Syracuse just is not rounded into form the way that I thought they were going to. This is a team that doesn't have a lot of three-point shooting. They don't have a lot of depth. And you just don't know what you're going to get download a Pascal Tuku. There's some games where he's great. There's some games where he has like zero points and one rebound. Yeah. So I feel like Louisville's a more consistent team here, even though they're consistently not closing. Yes, give me the cards. Two teams both trying to get a single win out of a tough slate. Pitt at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, the two-point favorites. I know you love them. I do. This is a really tough one. At this point, I'd probably need to do a little bit more evaluation, but I'd probably roll Georgia Tech just because they do a little bit of a better job on the glass, and I think that that size will be a little bit too much for Pitt, a very undersized team, but led by a very good point guard in Xavier Johnson that shoots 40% from three and 16 points per game. A couple more rapid-fire questions. Are you immune to bad beats since you're going on like 20 games a random Monday, Tuesday night? What about bad beats? Are you immune to them yet? Because you, you have so much action out there on so many, many different games. Is that the real recipe for the community out there? It is a little bit. I still get bitter about bad beats. You hear me rant about them on my podcast time and time again, but because you do have so many bets out there, you're going to get your fair share of good luck as well. So one thing that I like about my style is that not only are you going to get all those bad beats, but you're probably going to be balanced out much more by good wins because if you have 10 10 bets out there, there's a good chance that you might be marred by a bad beat streak. When you have a thousand bets out there, you can't be like, "Ah, oh, I just was a victim of bad beats time and time again." It all is going to balance out with that high amount of volume. Give me a little look into the Greg Peterson lifestyle here. When you are, you know, it's a typical Saturday. You've got hundreds of bets out there. Maybe not hundreds, dozens, hundreds, whatever. 
you know, what are your what are you doing? What are your favorite spots to watch the game besides your your home? Maybe it is always your home, but what are you what are you looking for? It actually is always my home, and something interesting that I don't think anyone would ever expect. Every Saturday, I actually take out take an hour out, and I just go to church. I just completely clear my head. I completely get away yeah. from college basketball. I just go into a place of worship. I do that, and then I get back into all my action and everything like that because I do a whole lot of college basketball. I probably put like 80 hours a week into this. Sometimes you just need that hour to re, rejuvenize, refresh, everything like that, and then just get right back into it afterwards. So you're not uh, like Greg. a sports book guy. You're not, yeah. you're not hanging out in the smoker's lounge at the sports book. Nope. The beer at home is much cheaper than you can find it at the sports book. And plus, you don't have to deal with the idiot to the right of you sitting there crying about how Sienna's down 10-7 to 7 when he's laying Sienna minus 3 for the game. Yeah, or yelling expletives. You're a man cut from the same cloth as myself. You know, <laughs> church on Sunday, a lot of action the rest of the week. Guys, anything else for this wonderful man who's graced us with his presence on the podcast? Hit us with some of uh, your favorite date night spots in Vegas for when I take my wife out there. Uh, my favorite date night spots. Well, this trip is obviously a whole lot of fun. Echo and Rig, a very good restaurant off the strip. I highly recommend okay, that. I'm writing us down. My first, yep, where me, and my first, where me and my girlfriend had our first date, so that was a lot of fun. And then you just, in general, have a lot of nice places out there in Vegas. If you're looking more for the sports books, obviously Westgate, South Point, and stuff like that. Obviously, probably not going to take the wife there, but if you are, big bonus to you. Yeah, and <laughs> give her a ring if she agrees to go. Greg, thanks so much for the time. Tell Thank us you, how man. we can get in touch with you and what you're working on as far as picks, your Twitter account, and all the outlets you're on and also what you have coming up on your podcast. I am on Twitter at GUnit underscore 81, and you can find my podcast on anywhere that you download podcasts, Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and then I do College Hoops Overtime Betting. That drops at midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern, every single day with a side on and total play on every game on the Vegas betting board. I'm actually finishing up tonight's right now. And then I also do the podcast That's Cool with Steve Heitner. If you remember Steve Heitner, he is the gentleman that played the role of Kenny Banya on Seinfeld. That is every Monday through Friday. Drops at 3 a.m. Pacific or 3 a.m. No way. Midnight Pacific as well. Yes, sir. And we talk a little sports betting. We talk a little Vegas nightlife. We talk some food. We talk entertainment. We talk about the big sports stories. It's essentially guy talk. That is fantastic. Where else would you want to go, Greg? Thanks it's so much It's not only for the fantastic, time. it's gold. That is gold, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Thanks again. Well, we hope to have you on. Maybe maybe during tournament time, if you can spare a 10-minute segment to give us your hot hits. Okay? Thank you. Thanks, Greg. Absolutely. Thank you, gentlemen. That was nice. Greg Peterson. Right back to business. Always a joy. Mm-hmm. Always a pleasure. Need to do it again. Consummate I mean, he needs, professional. he needs to show me how to pick eight, nine matchups because he was right on every single one. I was wrong on every single one last tournament. So re- remind me of this. I will. Come selection Sunday. Let's get into some mailbag questions from our loyal listeners. Are you looking at me? Yeah. Let me. We we really appreciate everybody who put out the call. We appreciate everybody's responses. Let's get right to it. Uh, it was an 11th hour beckon also to yeah, our followers. We so. had a couple, and and then that spurred us to say, hey, we should ask for a couple more. Um, and I, we are going to skip some questions that we have saved for later that people ask, specifically aimed at Vegas Mike, uh, who you know some suggested we call Charlestown Mike now because of his affinity for the East Coast gambling spots. Hmm. But uh, you know, so if you don't hear your question that was aimed at Vegas Mike, that's why. We'll get to it later. 
First question, Clark Belote, I believe, on Twitter. I apologize for mispronouncing everyone's name. At CK3IK2014. I love this question. If you had to field a three-on-three game of current ACC coaches, meaning the coaches play against each other in three-on-three basketball, who you got? Quick draft by random order I have chosen that Guthrie will select first. Okay, go ahead. He might be last in the standings today. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah, yeah. But he is first to be drafted. Danny Manning yeah. is my pick. I mean, that's the obvious one, right? Yeah. Okay, who's going yeah. second? I may or may not have insider information about this regarding shoot-arounds and just pure shooting in general, but I'm going with Tony Bennett. He still believes he can outshoot every single player on his team, and you know what? He's not wrong. Well, he still owns the... Does he still own the record for highest three-point shooting percentage in the NBA? Yeah, and Something? he really hasn't lost much. Yeah, that's, that's I'm a serious. good pick. Yeah, yeah. This is coming... From a Charlottesville beat guy. So, Taylor, you're up next. We I'm took gonna, the two easy ones. I, yeah, I'm going to go with Jeff Capel. Oh, based, yeah. Based on his oh, playing career. You know, you got to go with the obvious playing career. Maybe not as, as felt as he used to be, but yeah, I'll go with Capel. God, I'm just realizing there are so many old men. You got to look for are, youth. God. You can't teach All right. youth. All right, I'm going to do it. My boy, my bald brother, Chris Mack. Oh, no. Yeah, he's still, he's still, got, he's still got some legs in him. Looks like a Big East guard, you know? Yeah. Just a so bowling got, ball, a bowling ball in the lane. I got a ball handler and I got a big man. Uh, I just need a shooter. Is, oh, is sorry, my, not Chris Mack. Sorry, Chris Mack does not look like a Big East guard. I'm sorry. Is it my turn? <laughs> For some reason, I was thinking Buzz Williams, but he's not bald anymore. Give me the young legs. I'll take Pastner. Oh, yes. The youngest legs, right? It's got to be. Yeah, probably. He's in his 30s. Yeah, you see, I feel like if you're like if you're getting a team together, you want maybe one bright coach and then the other two defer, and there's not too much of a conversation. There's not too much clashing, so that's that's where my head's at. For well, my team. I I will say that I because I get to see the questions earlier than you guys. I, mm. I did a little looking. I did find that um, Pastner he was a walk on freshman, uh, NCAA champion winner at University of Arizona. Yeah, you know. I didn't Krzyzewski know he played at Army, well, he so you can always take him. He was a manager he, he was first. He was a manager first, and he so really not didn't have a quote-unquote playing career. Yeah, He took 33 credit hours per semester to finish his degree in two and a half years, which is wild. Also, bachelor's degree in family studies, which no comment there. I don't know what to think of that. Anyways, my pick here, I'm going to go with... Jim Laranega, just do it. No, no, I, I did, you like I said, to. did a little research. Brad Brownell... Oh. Also, personal connection. He played D3 basketball at DePaul with the DePaul, W University, right, Greencastle, right. Indiana. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful place. Uh, you know, same conference that, of my alma mater. And, uh, you know, he still holds some records there for the basketball team. You know, great free throw shooter, great shooting percentage. So, yeah, give me Brownell. Nice. Okay. Nice. I like that. You, uh, for my final pick. Yeah, fill out your roster here. There is only one man. That can fill this role. Let's hear it. And he is a winner. Oh, dude. Mr. Yeah. Kevin this is not, Keats. That was my pick. We need to do a snake trap. <laughs> Guthrie got like three number one picks. Yeah, that is true. We did not, not structure fair. this well. We no, did not, not structure this well at all. And I only and say that because I, you took my last choice. I feel like... No, I have to scramble. I feel like I have the best team by far. It's not even close, gentlemen. I would put I would put money on this. Okay, well, we'll get all the coaches <laughs> together and let them play. Fantastic. <laughs> Screw it. I'm taking Buzz. That's my last oh, pick. Oh, that's no good. Hmm. He's only an ACC coach for one more year. Okay. Taylor, you have the worst team already. It's okay. It's not going to get any better. 
just takes your chest game. I mean, evil always wins, right, Kevin? No, Kevin? no, he's had way too many surgeries. He can't, no. Who He'll are, find a way. He's more a machine than man. That's right. <laughs> he's kind of like a, a skinnier Darth Vader. I think I'm going to go with surprise pick. I tweezed, I teased it a little bit. I'm going to pick Jim Bayheim. Oh, yeah. Size and the He was size, definitely on my list. Size, you know, I think he's got it. And we're going to slip Buddy Bayheim into his jersey, and it's just going to, he's going to play a couple of minutes. Did you, did you see that video? There was a video that was posted on uh, our college basketball a few months ago of him just like just raining free throws and just swishing them. He never touched the rim. He's a very never fundamentally t- sound player. It was incredible. He's still got it. I imagine he's very intimidating as well on the court. Yeah, probably. First off the bench for Luke is going to be Jim Christian. He was, I was considering him, but then I, I thought I would just get the, uh, the blackjack dealer on my team. It's always good. The house always wins, right? Next question from our listeners. And this is the one we've all been waiting for. Is it? It is. Okay. This it's is coming I- up next. no, there's only one man available to answer this to the degree which our listeners require. Who do you like in the International 2019? Oh, baby. You have the floor, sir. Well, I'll try and keep this under 10 minutes. <laughs> this, is, this is from longtime listener Jeff Haddon yeah, on Twitter. Shout out to Jeff. Who he definitely knew he was just trying to get under Guthrie's skin. <laughs> or get, or me, get Guthrie talking. Get me excitable. Yeah, yeah, uh, the International 2019 so, is a Dota tournament for those of you. Yeah, who don't know. it's going to be held in uh, in China. I think it's going to be held in Oh, so we're Shanghai. really doing this. We're doing this. I Go, mean, the me. question the question was asked. Okay, fair point, fair point. 2018, TI8, you had OG coming out of nowhere to win. Breaking all precedent, breaking all history books. Sure, yeah. we'll Blogs. go with that. You were cheering hard. It was incredible. And the only reason I bring this up is because it was China's year to win in, in TI-8. Mm-hmm. So every every fiber of my being says that Team Secret is is the favorite. When and, you say China's year, what do you mean? Uh, so it's it a was... Chinese New Year. It just happened. Year Chinese New Year, but basically it alternated between Western teams and Chinese teams oh. winning the got international. It, got, it, got it, And a Western team won in TI-7. So it was just a pattern that emerged. It's a pattern that, that emerged. It was expected that LGD would win. And they did not. They lost in in game five in spectacular fashion to OG. So you have to think that it's China's turn to bring it back home. And they are playing on home soil. LGD is fantastic. They have pretty much the same team with a couple a couple additions from last season. And I mean, maybe is one of the best players in the world. Give me LGD. Secret is definitely a team to watch. Secret LGD in the final. Dark Horse. Give me, I, I like I like ninjas in pajamas. That is a great name. Great name. It's a great team. A quick Google search leads me to select Team Secret. It's the new Fada team and and 33's team for those that haven't kept up. That that is why I picked them. That's absolutely why I picked them. Okay, we're gonna go to another question, and I feel like I'm the only fit person in this room to answer the following. This is coming from Marvin Richards Jr. What do you guys think about former UVA commit and Kentucky Wildcat Sasha Kalea Jones leaving slash being dismissed from the NC State Wolfpack basketball program? Just not a fit? Or do we need more details to surface? Here's another four-word phrase from Luke. Reason being, lay Kalea Jones. And since there's a hyphen, that counts as a four-word phrase. I don't have any insider information on this. This is just my best guess. I'm surmising that that's the situation because she's really like the college version of LeVar Ball. I, I was know, kind of rooting mother. for him on NC State, and I you know, was hoping he would land somewhere. It's Anytime it's like in the middle of the season, definitely not a good look. 
but uh, you know, I I will reserve judgment for more details. Yeah, uh, that's just a that's a theory of mine. There's been a track record thus far. Next question. Next question actually comes from you spoiled it earlier in the podcast. Mike Cousins, who asks us, where is the line this week? Mm. And I'm gonna do a follow up uh, because we we actually got an email from my brother. Spoiler alert. Who sent us a note saying that <laughs> you guys talk a lot about the line in the ACC, yeah. but what are the chances that the line is a lot higher than we've been claiming all season? Let me tell you something. Shout out to Mike Cousins again, because he does exactly what I do in the play-by-play variety. Try to extract as much information as you can from random outlets. And I guess this is one of his random outlets. So kudos to him. I do the exact same thing, Mike, when I'm doing like lacrosse play-by-play. So let's continue with this question. So where's the line this week? I said Clemson last week. It might be is it still Clemson? Is it lower? Is it higher? So is it NC State again? Mm, so the way I define the line, maybe a little different than you guys, is what is an embarrassing loss? What's a loss that would be considered a quote unquote bad loss? I don't think Clemson is a bad loss. I think most other people outside the world would say that they are. I think Then it's Miami now, right? It has to be Miami. No, I, I think it's Boston College and below. Ah, I think I think Miami's a less embarrassing loss than Boston College at this point. Guthrie, are you with me? Or are you with Taylor? Uh, uh, so we're saying <laughs> yeah. are we saying the line is an embarrassing loss or below the line is an embarrassing I, I'm loss? counting it as an embarrassing loss. I'm saying the okay. line is Boston College, Notre Dame, Miami, Georgia Tech, Wake yes. Forest, and Pittsburgh. All those teams starting at Boston College losses. Starting at Boston College and below is the line. They are, yeah, their losses, the line, they are losses I, for which you cannot make yeah. excuses. I agree. Hold up. Boston College. Shouldn't the line be... And the team that's like goes back and forth, right? I don't, so the line is not somebody who's an embarrassing loss or an okay loss. It's something that we can't tell if it's embarrassing or okay. So that's right. why I think it's Miami. Okay, I would say Clemson then in that in that. Scenario. I think Clemson's okay at this point of the season. I, I think they are okay, but... I think Miami is a really embarrassing I loss. I think it's, Miami's definitely an embarrassing they're, loss. They're, what, 3 and 10 right now? Yeah, but they've been playing really well recently. <laughs> yeah, their recent loss to Boston College on Sunday is not a good look. I mean, they beat Clemson, they beat Notre Dame, and took UNC to overtime, but that's not really going to cut it. Yeah, I guess you're right. No. I, think, I think BC is the line. Again? I think Florida, BC, Florida I, State has that, that embarrassing, quote-unquote embarrassing loss to, to the Eagles. No, BC is not the line. Hey, maybe it's they're Clemson. Below the line. They're below the line. They're, they're above 100 in Ken Palm. They're four and eight in the conference. It's Clemson. That's who it is. It's, it's still Clemson. Because some people, you can say Clemson looks really bad if you on paper by their record, but they have great analytics and they've played some really good games lately and they have talent even though they're disappointed. I say Clemson's line. I agree. NC State's still an okay loss at this point, I guess. What do you think about this theory that maybe you know the line is a lot higher and maybe the line is only like the top five in the ACC? So maybe it's only Duke, UVA, UNC, Louisville, and Florida State? Well, it all, it all depends on your definition of the line. The line could be, you know, teams that make the tournament as an at-large team. I mean, Virginia Tech has taken a nosedive with Robinson out. Yeah. Syracuse is very inconsistent. NC State, it just hurts my heart to watch. It gives me a panic attack every time I watch them. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's something to that. Yeah. Let's pick games and wrap up, boys. What do you got, Taylor? We're going to do this really quickly. We're going to go already rapid reviewed fire everything. in order. All right. I'm ready to go over again. We're, we're starting on Tuesday. Florida State at Clemson. Clemson Florida State. One. Sticking with it. I'll take Florida State. Florida State. Jaffe has Clemson, and he says put everything you have on Clemson. So just <laughs> yeah. take that with caution. Uh, also on Tuesday, Wake 
At Notre Dame, Notre Dame, you're 10-point favorites. 10? Yeah. Ugh. That line's got to change, right? Up or down, it might go up. <laughs> uh, give me Wake. Is Wake on the road better this year? Is the whole home court Ken Palm thing just getting squashed this year? I think it I, is. I don't think so. Uh, I think so. I think it still matters. No, I, I so think they're just bad wherever they play. Yeah, that's Let's go to Notre Dame. I'll take Notre Dame. Uh, Wake Forest is really bad against the spread. I'm going to I'm gonna take Notre Dame. Oh. Next game. Wednesday, Louisville, two-point favorites at Syracuse. Louisville. I will also take the cards. Oh, gosh. I also like Louisville. Oh, wow. This that is, means Syracuse is, is guaranteed to win. Mike's got Qs. He's got right. him 100%. Pitt at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, your favorites. Two points. I hate this. This is a tough one. Is it at McCabish? Yeah, it's at Georgia Tech. Let's go for 0 for 5 against for Georgia Tech <laughs> in my predictions. I will take Georgia Tech yet again. I'm just going to... Greg Peterson influence. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take Georgia Tech. Damn that, man. Oh, my God. Their offense is the, atrocious, but they can score it, a couple get, points. Get a, po- get a pick right. Yeah, get a, go get, against go Taylor and I. Come this on. Is, uh, no, Georgia Tech is great against the spread this year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go As with a favorite, you guys. Have they ever been favored in a game in the ACC? Mm. That's a good, good question. I don't know. I feel like they were great on in a, a non-conference. On a Wednesday against Pitt? Have they ever been favored? Uh, well, yeah, I don't know. They've never been favored against Pitt when Taylor and I both take him. So this is your chance to get out of yeah. it and get an easy win. Give me Georgia Tech. <laughs> We're all cowards. Boston College at NC State. NC State, 12 points? I'll take BC. Yeah, me too. I, Way hate, too, I wait. hate doing this, but I will. No, you know, I'll take, I'll, I'll just to, you know, oppose you. Give me NC State. Blowout. 20-point NC State win. Kevin Keats is a winner, and he coaches teams that cover. Give me NC State. All right, Saturday. Against, uh, uh, okay. Moving to Saturday. We're Skip not going to do the win, we're not going to do Wednesday marquee. Game? Are you crazy? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I had mind? that in a separate category. We're going to finish up with that one. Okay, fine. Saturday, uh, Virginia, four point favorites at Louisville. Virginia. Seems great on the road. Louisville. Yeah, give me Louisville too. All right, Florida State at North Carolina. North Carolina, eight point favorites. Saturday. I mean, there's so much that's going to change. There's between. so much that's going to change. We're not change. doing this. We're picking We're not doing with these this. lines. I don't want to do it. I refuse. I'm, I'm boycotting. Okay, well, that's a terrible reaction. I don't think we should do this Take game. Take your ball and go home. Well, we're not recording between now and Saturday. That's that's not happening. Do we have to pick every game? We'll pick this one and one more, which is the big marquee matchup. Okay, fine. What's the line? UNC uh, giving eight points to Florida State. Florida State, give it to me. I, give me UNC at home. I also like Florida State given, uh, getting eight points. And it, that could be the letdown game from the big matchup we're saving for last. On Wednesday, North Carolina at Duke, 11 points. North Carolina. Duke the favorite. I, like oh, I also like North Carolina. That's way too many points. I uh, Say North Carolina money line and just get it over with. Now here's the play. North Carolina first half. You love first half bets. Duke is not yeah. great at, in first half. You're halves. right. That's true. Or not? I'll do. I'll do North Guthrie. Carolina. I'll okay. Staff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've had a lot of these, and they a lot of unanimous picks here. And yeah. We need, we need. We need Mike's. You know, antithesis. Yeah. This. You know, opposition. Could no. be a rough week. I'm really excited. Great week. A lot of a lot of rivalries here in the ACC. All right, boys. Good pod. Later. If you'd like to contact the podcast, though, I will tell you one thing. You can find us at the ACC Bball. DGENs on Twitter. And you can also email the podcast or you could join the Facebook 
wave of emotion. You know, it's a tidal wave right now, Taylor, right? Yeah, it's maybe not a tidal wave, but it's, it's getting a, there. It's a small wave. Yeah, check us out on any of those platforms. Please interact with us. We're kind people in our hearts, even though we don't come across like that. Isn't that right, guys? Right. Okay, fair. Most of us. All right. All right, we're out.